Let's pray. Father, we do, uh, once again, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you that, we do thank you that we can gather. Lord, and when that kind of gets taken away from us, we realize how important it is. And I pray now as we go from the time of worshiping you in song and music and lifting up our hearts and, uh, to you, Lord, that we would have that same attitude as we worship you in your word, that God, as we read this, once again, it wouldn't just be words on a page, it wouldn't just be some, some historical thing that happened, but God, you would make it relevant for our lives that we could take away from this truth that would encourage us and strengthen us. It would even bring us out of that pit of despair if that's where we're at. And Lord, that we would hang on to your truth and we would trust you and we would believe you. So we ask that you would bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we continue here, here's kind of, uh, you know, as, as we keep going in eight, nine, 10, it kind of seems like the author of Hebrews is saying the same thing over and over and over. And, and uh, what he's doing, I've got a slide up here that's not supposed to be up here. But what he's doing is telling us how important it is that we realize how elevated Christ is compared to everything else. And these guys, again, were in the danger of slipping back, slipping back into that, that ritual and going back into the sacrifices and kind of getting back into that. And he's worried for them. He's scared for them. He doesn't want them to be in that place. So he's exhorting them and letting them know, why would you even think about doing that? And once again, he's gonna repeat some of the stuff that we've heard and go over it again. And here's what I'm thinking. If he's gotta repeat it that much, there must be a danger. Now, most of us are not in danger, I know, of sacrificing animals. We're kind of not in that thing. Some, some of us may be, but most of us are not. But here's what we're in the danger of. Becoming religious. Being, doing something just because that's what Christians do, or that's because I've been doing this for so long. And that's the danger that we have. And we need to guard against that. We need to be careful against that. This whole thing of being born again and a relationship with the Lord is not about a religious activity. And as a matter of fact, we're gonna learn today, all of the sacrificial offerings, they weren't about a religious activity, but that's what Israel made them. And that's what we have the danger of doing. So again, I know that we're not, you know, most of you I don't think woke up this morning really wanting to sacrifice an animal. I think most of you, you wanna come to church, but here's the thing, why did you wanna come to church? You think you're coming to church? Appeases God and kinda makes him happy and he'll look at you and wink at you and be glad for you? Or are you coming to be strengthened in your spiritual man, and that you can do the walk and walk with him the way he desires for us to walk. So I want us to think about that as we, as we work through this. And, and look at verse one. He says, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very, very images of the things can never with the same, uh, same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So once again, he kind of gets into this whole thing of the sacrifices. And when he talked about 
the temple, if you remember, it's interesting how the author of Hebrews is kind of going through it. He went through the temple, then he goes through Jesus and the practical stuff, and now he's getting into the theological truths and kind of taking us along. So it's not just a repetition for the sake of repetition. He's doing something, but notice when he talked about the temple, he said they were the very image, right, of the things. What does he call the law? Did you notice what he called the law? A shadow. A shadow of the good things. Now, Hey, when I read that, that makes me think about, I don't follow shadows. Like, I didn't fall in love with my wife's shadow. I don't even want to hang out with my wife's shadow. I want to hang out with my wife, right? I mean, that's like a duh. Most of us are like, duh, that's so silly. Well, then why do we do that spiritually? Here's what he's saying. Why are you hanging out with the shadow? What is the matter with you? And he says it's a shadow of the good images, now, someone said, and maybe they're right, someone said maybe if this was written today, he would say something like, it's a photograph or a picture. I guess now we would have it on our phone, right? And, and, and hey, I like pictures of my wife, but I like my wife a whole bunch more. Like, I don't just hang out with her picture. Oh, I'm so glad I have your picture. Especially when she's right there. Sorry, looking at your picture. Why don't you look at me? I like this picture. We don't do that, do we? But why do we do that with the Lord? And here's what he's, here's what he's getting at. Even the whole thing, he says, man, listen, they offered sacrifices continually year by year. Why, listen, why would the Old Testament saints do that? What was their drive? Their drive was this one thing. They wanted to get a clean conscience and they wanted to become, get in the presence of God and yet it failed every single time. And you would go back and try again and it would fail. When I look at people in religious systems, and I don't care which one you pick, you can pick any flavor out there you want. And you look at religious systems and here's the thing, people are desperate to know God and they try and get close to him and that system fails them every time. Every time, but they keep going back to what they know and they go back to that thing and he says, listen, it's year after year. Think of how many animals were sacrificed trying to get close to God. They say during the first century, the Passovers in Israel, or I'm sorry, in Jerusalem, would grow, the, the city would grow like 10 to 15 times larger. And they said upwards of 300,000 sheep would be sacrificed on that Passover day. Can you imagine? That is insane. And what did it get them? Nothing. One, one person put it this way. Doing those things continually time after time after time after time is like multiplying with zero. When you multiply with zero, nothing changes, does it? So that's the heart of him. And, and then he tells the man, he says, listen, and then it never made those who approach perfect. Once again, not talking about sinless perfection, talking about a completion or never got them where they wanted. They wanted into the presence of God and they never got there. So verse two says, for then would they not have ceased uh, uh, to be offered? Here's what he's saying. If that would have changed them, they wouldn't have had to offer anymore, right? It's like, yeah. And so he goes on and he says, for the worshipers once purified would, ha would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Think about what he's saying. 
You go and you want your conscience clean. That's what religion tries to do. And desperately, I shared with you guys a couple weeks ago, I was raised in a religion in an Orthodox church where, where you went up and you confessed your sins once a year. It was supposed to make you feel good. But here's the interesting thing. You had to do that every year. And every year, what did it remind you of? You're in the same place. And your conscience is not clear. How do you get a clear conscience? There's only one way, the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus washes away the guilt and the shame. Listen, I'm not saying we don't sin anymore. Maybe you don't. But here's what I'm saying. We need to understand, I wake up in the morning, and here's what I know. My God's mercies are new every morning. And I wake up and I can become in the presence of God by just bowing my heart and I can enjoy him. And I have a clean conscience. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Not because I've done perfect things, but because of the blood of Jesus. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, how he guarantees us. We're, hey, we're in the heavenly. So listen, he says it doesn't do that. It doesn't make them uh, 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 clear their conscience of sin. And then he says, but in those sacrifices, there's a reminder every year. When you do something religiously, what does it remind you of? It doesn't clean you, it reminds you of who you are. It reminds you of failure. It reminds you of not making it. And it just like hammers you every time. I, I've shared with you guys, like if I was alive in Old Testament times, I would have to have a herd, a huge herd. Of, I would need the state of Arizona herd. But every time I took a bull to the altar, what does it do? It reminds me. When I come to the altar of Jesus, I'm cleansed. I'm purified. My Bible says if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I don't have to be reminded. Hey, Satan tries, but Jesus says it's covered. It's taken care of. I got it. So listen, having said that then, then verse four, kind of ending this, and he said this before, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. It's not possible. It's impossible. So we need to know that. Now, uh, now listen, he's kind of got that point across over and over and over, and some of you are going, seriously, we had to go over it again? Uh-huh. Because we need that reminder. I believe, listen, I believe if you really gut check honest, you know there's times you just get religious. You know there's times where you just do it. You know that happens. And then you read something in the Word and it convicts your heart and you go, yes. Now here's what I love. I love this next section. I think this next section like, whoo, shoots up to the moon. Listen, he says, therefore, when he came into the world, now stop for a moment and think about that. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, right? It's when he came into the world. Now, here's my, here's my mind. I'm going to let you guys get a peek in here, just a peek. I want you camping. And here's, here's the crazy thing. Here's what I think. When Jesus, what does this say? That, therefore, when he came into the world, here, I get this picture in my mind that Jesus is ready to leap and become that embryo. And he turns around to the Father, and he looks at the Father, and here's what he says. 
Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written to, of me to do your will, O God. Get that picture that Jesus turns right before he leaps into that, 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 that you know, area where he takes on that, and he tells the Father. Here's, I'm gonna put it this way. He tells the Father, Boom, let's go for it. And here he comes. And he says, I'm ready, man. This is the whole deal. I, I read that and I just, here's what I love. It's Psalm 40. It's out of Psalm 40. But listen carefully. Do you think David, when he was writing Psalm 40, knew what he was writing? No. And here's what, here's in my mind, because God lives outside of time and space. Way before David wrote Psalm 40, Jesus was already proclaiming Psalm 40 as pertaining to him. And so let's think about what he is saying here. Here's what he's saying. That, hey, he's saying sacrifices and offerings you did not desire. You know what sort of blows my mind? Now listen, he's gonna repeat that again in a minute and says, said that uh, he did not desire or have pleasure in sacrifices. Now let's think about that for a moment. What is being said there? Did not God give the law? Did not God institute sacrifices and that whole system? Then why, why would the word then say he doesn't desire them and he takes no pleasure in them? That seems bad, doesn't it? But what had happened is Israel wasn't coming with a devoted heart, with a loving heart, they were like dragging their bulls like this, stupid bull, come on, let's do it. And they're doing it. That's not blessing God. And you know what? If you get up in the morning and you read your Bible grumpy, God's not saying, I'm so glad you're reading your word. He's going, I'm not taking any pleasure in this. Do you get the point? Listen, here's some scriptures, just a couple. But I think we need to read these because I think we need to understand. You can take some pictures. I'm going to read a couple of them to you. In 1 Samuel, it says this. But Samuel replied, does, not, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better, better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice or you would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. And, and again, that's David's heart. Isaiah 1, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my court? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Think about what is being said. And, and I could read the others, but I think you're getting the hint. Write them down and read them. And here's what God is saying. You're not doing it with the right heart. And when you don't do it with the right heart, it's nothing. And all you're doing is being religious. God gave them a system so they could work and so they could come to him and they turned it into a religion. And saints, I think sometimes we do the same thing. And we gotta guard against that. Hey, we're not bringing bulls and goats but maybe our prayer time, maybe even coming to church. Maybe you came to church and you just drug yourself here today and say, well, I gotta go so God will be blessed. <laughs> if that's your attitude, he's not. I started to let you in on that. 
And so listen, man, Jesus declares it's not, it's, not, it's not those burnt offerings. And then he says, listen, but a body you have prepared for me. And then he says, and burnt offerings and sacrifices you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. A body you've prepared for me. Once again, Jesus declaring that he's gonna take on humanity and take our sin. Now here's what, I love this, listen. To me, I love this whole, just imagining heaven and how all of this went down. And then I read commentaries. Oh. You read some commentaries and they go, well you know, if you go to Psalm 40, it doesn't say, and a body you have prepared for me. In Psalm 40 it says, and you dug my ear. How do you get a body you prayed, prepared for me out of and you dug out my ear? Or some translations say, and you opened my ear. Now it's fun to read what the guys say. Here's what I believe. I believe the Bible is inspired by God. I believe the Holy Spirit wrote every book in the Bible and he used man to do it. So if the Holy Spirit wants to take Psalm 40 and translate it a little bit different way in Hebrews, who am I to question the Holy Spirit? Right? And I believe that's what he's done. I don't believe you can do the whole ear thing and say, well, what the ear thing, and some people say, if he says he dug out his ear, that just simply means that God created his ear, and if he created his ear, he created his whole body. And I'm going, seriously? And I read that stuff, and here's what I think. I think we can read in... Hebrews, what it says in Hebrews, and I think we can read in Psalm 40, when we're studying Psalm 40, what it says in Psalm 40. Don't get so uptight about things. I want to tell, sometimes I want to talk to these people and say, just quit getting so uptight and enjoy what's being said. See, there's the problem. Once again, you're not just enjoying what God is saying. I love the idea that Jesus desired to come. He desired to do the will of the Father. Did you notice that? And I love the idea. He says, listen, it's written in the volume of book. Do you know there's over 300 prophecies about the first coming of Jesus in the Old Testament? Do you know there's over 300 prophecies of the second coming in the Old Testament? That's 600. And here's what he's saying. Here's what he says when he says it's written in the volume of the book or it's in the volume of the book it is written. He's going, we don't have enough time to go over all of them. We don't even have a slide big enough to put all the references up there. They're flowing in. And so, man, when, when I, listen, I read, I read five, six, and seven and here's what I do. I go, yes, that is my God. Oh, and previously, verse eight, Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and offering for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that the second may be established. Man, does that blow your mind? Listen to what he is saying. Once again, we don't go to the first, we go to the second. And Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Now, I want you to do this, just humor me. I want you to underline, I came to do your will, O God, in that, in that verse up. 
in that verse nine. I want you to underline that because we're gonna talk about that in a moment because something cool happens here, I think, in this section. But here's what he says, man. He takes away the first that the second may be established. Jesus was willfully obedient to the Father. A couple things there. We're gonna talk about in a few weeks, we're gonna talk about submission. And so many times in our culture and our generation, submission seems to be almost a dirty word because we don't understand it because maybe it has been abused and things have been uh, uh, you know, done wrong. But the son willfully submitted to the father. I believe, listen, I believe in the Trinity. We're gonna talk about it in a second. And I believe, listen, I believe all three persons, whatever, three entities, whatever you, whatever you wanna say, I know it gets difficult, are God and equally God. But here's the son willfully doing the will of the father. And think about in the garden of Gethsemane, think about when he was tempted and think about how Jesus just stood and, and withstood those and he was obedient. Listen to this. One person put it this way. There is in deity itself the joy of obedience. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus has that joy, right? So in deity itself, the joy of obedience. Obedience which is a particular means of joy and the only means of that particular joy. You want to experience a joy to me unspeakable? Yield yourself to God. And by, listen, by obedience, I'm not saying you have to find a list of rules to follow. By obedience, I'm talking about just yield yourself, your entire being to God, and you will feel a joy that's unspeakable. You will feel overwhelmed, and that's what he's talking about here. And Jesus says, man, I did it. And then verse 10, by that will, by his will to, uh, of God, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Woo, yes. Now, listen, sanctified, sanctified or holy doesn't mean you walk around like this with a halo. What does sanctified or holy mean? Set apart. We've been permanently, check this out, permanently set apart for God. Whoo, does that make you excited? He's done this in our hearts and we're set apart for him. And he says, listen, man, I love this. And it's done when? Once and for all. We don't have to do it over and over and over and over. I wake up in the morning and here's what, I, I look in the mirror and I go, I'm a child of God. Woohoo. I have to be quiet because I get up before my wife. If she was up, I'd go, I'm a child of God. Woohoo! But since she's not up, I go, woohoo. And you start thinking about, listen what God has done in my life. Once again, I'm not perfect. But I have this relationship with the creator of the universe. I have a relationship with the most high God, and I don't have to bring bulls or goats or lambs or grain or wine. All I gotta do is bow my heart. 
And it's once and for all. Listen, I don't do it over. I love that whole idea. And it gets better. Listen, he says in verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. So once again, bringing that up over and over, and the fact that they're standing, he's seated. But this man, in verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Yes! It was forever, and it's, you read that now. Pay attention, this man, meaning Jesus, right, the son, offered one sacrifice forever, sat down from that time, verse 13, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. We have the will of the Father, and we have the work of the Son. You see where I'm gonna go with this? I had you underline. This is great, man. This is our salvation. The, our salvation is according to the will of the Father, and our salvation is according to the work of the Son. How good is that? And he sat down. Every time I think of him sitting down, I love that whole idea. Jesus was done and finished. When he sat down, though, he didn't sit in an easy chair. Why? Because there's times he has to get up. And we looked at it last time we talked about him sitting down, but I want to remind us, when do we see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father? When someone's messing with his kids, right? Remember Stephen? They're getting ready to stone him. And he said, and the heavens opened, and I saw Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. What does he say? And I saw Jesus standing. Remember that next time. Hey, the next time you're in trouble, and things seem to be caving in on you, I want you to think about, wow, Jesus is standing up right now. How cool is that? I'm the younger of, well, there was only my brother and myself, so I'm the younger one, I'm the little brother. And often, listen, man, in, in my life, there were times, there were times like I really did not want my brother around, and I didn't like my big brother, but there are other times where you really need your big brother, especially when someone's wailing on you. You know, you want big brother to come and rescue and be there, right? We got the big brother of all big brothers. We have Jesus. So he says, listen, man, that's what's going on, and there's gonna come a time where he makes his enemies his footstool. And in verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever. You might underline that, right? By one offering he's what? Perfected forever. I love that. Those who are being sanctified. Now, listen, man, this is, this is kind of a theological thing, right? Positionally, we are completely sanctified. And here's what I mean by that. Positionally, before God, he sees us through Christ, and we're sanctified. We're made holy. That's good news. But I'm living here and God doesn't operate in a vacuum, and I'm going through life, and practically, I'm being sanctified. We're supposed to be growing. Saints, you're supposed to be growing in your salvation. You're not supposed to get saved and be a kumquat and be where you were when you got saved. You're supposed to be changing, growing, moving, going on, getting, getting better acquainted with the Lord. And once again, you wanna do things for him. Listen, I wanna do things for the Lord because I love him, not because I have to. Just like my wife, I wanna do things for my wife. Why? I love her. I don't get out the marriage license and go, yeah, I signed a stinking paper, so I have to do this. 
All right. I do it because I love her. And the same with the Lord, man. Hey, he doesn't give us a list of rules. Here's what he says. Just love me. Just love me. And if you love him, you're going to be obedient. So, so here we have that, that whole idea of being sanctified. I love that. We're being sanctified. And then, listen, now he gets back into something. But verse 15, I want to pause there for a moment. In verse 15, he says, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. Now think about, think about this. The Father, our salvation is according to the Father's will through the work of Christ, the Son, by the witness of the Holy Spirit. Here we have the Trinity. And here's what I love. Listen, in, in the Bible, have you ever noticed in the Bible the difficult things, that, the concepts that are hard for us to understand? The Bible just acts like they are. Do you notice there's not a long explanation of, well, I know I just talked about three persons having, all having a form of deity, and I know they all did that, and, and, da, 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 and then therefore we have to call it this certain thing. And, and here's what the Bible says. It just declares it. It's kind of like creation. And then he created. That's it? Like one chapter, one chapter. I'm thinking we need more than one chapter. There's a lot of unanswered questions and here's what God says, don't worry about that stuff. What you need to worry about is salvation. And so here's what I love, man. In this little short area, we have the whole Godhead involved in our salvation. Hallelujah. All the power of God. And he just kind of, again, the author just kind of lays it out there and puts it out there. So then the Holy Spirit witnesses to us for after he, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Now listen, he once again quotes Jeremiah 31. And I love that. I, I love Jeremiah 31 for this reason. It's because God is speaking to Israel. And God is letting Israel know, I made a covenant with you, now I'm gonna make a new covenant with you. And the new covenant's not gonna be written on stone tablets anymore and, and given by Moses. It's gonna be written in your hearts. And it's gonna be written on your minds. And here's what I know, man. As a new covenant, as, as, as that relationship with Jesus takes root inside of you, you start getting cleansed from the inside out. It's like, it's like this. It's like as you grow in Christ, ugly comes out, right? It just pushes the ugly out. And then another year goes by, a little more ugly comes out. And then, not, not, I'm not talking about physical, but some of you are going, wow, it's not, it's not working for you, Pat. But anyway, listen, man, and a little bit more ugly comes out. And think about that. What happens, what happens with trees? Most of us know about trees, right? When it gets cold, like it's starting to get cold, finally in Arizona, all the sap goes down and the leaves die. And most of them fall off, but the ones that don't fall off, that sap starts coming back up. And what happens when that sap comes back up? It pushes the ugly off, right? And the new comes. That's how Jesus works in us. Man, he raises up in us. And I love that whole idea. There's a new covenant. Why are you hung up on the old? Why are you looking at that stinking picture when you got the reality right in front of you? Stop it. So he gives the new covenant once again, and then he says, listen, so he says, for after he had said that, verse 17, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Yes, yes, yes. 
Again, the brainiacs, the commentators, the theologians, the guys who sit in ivory towers, they go, well, you know, God can't forget because he's God and he's perfect and he can't do that. And here's what I think, bet me. My Bible just said he forgets. And I shared last time, right? I shared last time when we talked about it. Here's, here's where I go with that. You, you, you can have whatever theology you want. Here's where I go. If God is perfect, and if he forgets, he forgets perfectly. Yes, yes. Doesn't it say he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west? That's the truth, that's the reality. And so here's what he's saying, man. God is not gonna do that. And that's the big difference. Listen, you bring an animal and you sacrifice it and you might feel good. You might feel good for 10 minutes, you might feel good for a week, you might feel good for a month. But pretty soon you're bringing another animal, right? And it just reminds you you're a sinner. Here's what this is telling me. I can come clean to Jesus and it's gone. 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And then the best part is cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He washes us, we're cleansed. And we don't have to carry around that guilt and that shame and that burden. It's gone. That's the reality of what's going on. And these guys are wanting to go back to the old system where they gotta carry that over and over and over. Don't you love it when somebody comes along and you're feeling so weighted down, you're barely making it, and they just put one more brick on your back. That's what the devil does. He just sticks another brick on you. <sighs> Here's what Jesus does. Give me all the bricks. Give me everything. I've shared before, when people tell me, you know, Jesus is a crutch, I go, oh, no, he's not. He's the ambulance. He's the driver. He's everything. So here's what he says. And then, and then, verse 18, wrap this up. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Hallelujah. You don't have to come week after week. If you're coming here expecting week after week some kind of forgiveness, some kind of clearing your conscience, and hear me right, you're coming to the wrong place. If you're coming to be forgiven of your sins and you want to accept Jesus, that's one thing. But if you're doing a religious thing, man, I feel really sorry for you for a couple reasons. Number one, I know that right now you're not even listening to me because you've been bored for the last probably 15 minutes. And all you hear is this, blah, 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 blah. Someone came once that's close to me came to the church, I guess because it was me. I'm not gonna tell you who it was. Well, I'll tell you, it was my dad. And my dad came twice. And both times on the way out, you know what he said? Man, you are long-winded. <laughs> True. True, someone said. <laughs> both times, and here's the thing, when you're not born again, this has gotta be miserable. I, I look out and I feel bad. If you're not born again this morning, you are one miserable person and you're thinking amen to what my dad said. And you're thinking, when is this gonna wrap up? I'm gonna go another 10 minutes just to make you a little more miserable. 
<laughs> so, listen, when you're born again, you're not, doing, you're not coming to church to try and receive forgiveness. You come to church to grow, to be changed. And here's the thing, though. Time for honesty. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do things for the Lord simply out of, I need to do this. And then that need becomes religious. We need to guard against that. Hey, let him convict you. He'll convict you if you open up. And he'll go, what on earth are you doing? And here's what you need to say. Listen carefully. I'm becoming religious. And Jesus will say, I knew that. I just wanted you to know that. Now change. Let me change you. The wonderful good news about a relationship with Jesus Christ is he changes you. You don't have to change yourself. I hate it when people think they gotta get all cleaned up to come to Jesus. I'm thinking, no, you don't. Just come to Jesus, he'll clean you up. Now listen, I, we talked last week, you can't just come to the Father. You can only come to Jesus as you are. To get to the Father, you gotta go through Jesus. That's the only way. So you and I need to realize something today. Are you slipping into religiosity, if you will? Are you doing things because that's what you think Christians do? Are you doing things because you're trying to make God happy? Then man, you're in the wrong, wrong place. It would be better for you not to do anything, I think, than to do that. But if you're here as a born again believer, here's what you're thinking. Man, there is some truth I can hold on to. Why do we encourage people to read through the Bible every year? So they'll be better saved? So they'll be more saved? No, so they'll know God. The more you know him, the more you love him, and the more, listen, you want to be obedient because this whole thing's about obedience, but obedience isn't because you have to, it's because you get to. It's because you want to please. I want to please my wife because I love her. I even want to please you guys sometimes. I want to do my best when I'm, when I'm teaching God's word. Why? Because I love him. And it's all about a love relationship. So if you don't have that love relationship, today is the day to change it. Today is the day to say, you know what? No more, no more of this fooling around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn my life over to God. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. And, and I just think as we read this, and, and uh, Lord, as we reread and reread and reread about the sacrifices and the blood of bulls and goats doesn't change anything. It's just a ritual that was performed. And then I stop and think that my God willingly, knowingly, purposely came to die for my sins. What great news that is for me. I don't, think we could, I don't think we could get any better news than that. So Lord, let that sink deep down inside of us, especially some of us who have become more religious than relational with you. Let that begin to change our hearts 
and work in us. And God, I pray, I pray for myself, I pray for everyone standing with me, that as we kind of come to a new year, that we would begin once again that fresh new relationship with you in a way, Lord, that uh, maybe we got slack towards the end of the year, maybe we got caught up in, in certain things that now, Lord, we would make that change and we would allow you to push the ugly out and bring in the new. And I'm gonna ask everybody to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life, then today is the day of salvation. And again, maybe you've come here for a long time. Maybe you've come here for years. And all of a sudden today you realize, man, you're just a religious person. You're just going through the motions. And God hit your heart then you know what, man, call on his name. Or maybe you're visiting for the first time and someone brought you or asked you to come and, and God touched your heart, then call on his name. You will be saved. If you're backslidden, call on his name, man. Come home, come back to Jesus. If you're watching online, once again, you guys at home, hey, you can say this prayer. You don't have to be in the building. All you have to do is have that sincere heart as you come. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And once again, this prayer is a, 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 you know, some people say, are you putting words in my mouth? Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to help you out. And so you can say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. The important thing is, are you sincere? And are you saying this sincerely? That's what matters. Jesus Today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Today I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.